Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the Marketing Minds at doconvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today, as always, is the ad doctor, Andrew Peak. We are here, as always, episode 160 with Jackie Lipinski. Yeah, glad to be back. Oh, Torrential downpours here. So if you hear a thunderstorm, you, you ever listen to something and there's like a siren that goes off in the background or a mm-hmm. gunshot? <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Just, no gunshots. Your house or, or your car is not about to be blown off the road, but there is a small tsunami yeah. going on outside. So, oh, yeah, And Andrew's nice. house. Seattle yeah, is the tricky sunny one right now. It's today. It's just dark and yeah. Like it looks like it's like seven o'clock at night, but it's four. I'll take it. Weird. Yeah. Nice though. It's cool weather. All right, let's move on right into story time because this is a very special extended story time episode, episode Ooh. 160, I think, because I've got a lot to say anyway before awesome. I head out of town again. So let's dive in. No, that's not that's not the right one. That's the news. There we go. There's story time. All right. <laughs> Yeah, I can start off. I, um, I recently took my son yesterday was the second swimming baby swimming classes. And so, yeah. And so what they're teaching swim rescue, right? Oh yeah. So, so you're basically just throwing your kid in the pool at at certain points. So as they're teaching you on how to react with your child, you're supposed to hold the baby at arm's length and you know, they're reacting how you're reacting. And so all of a sudden you're like, you know, baby ready and you dip them underwater and you're, you're calm. So they're calm and it's a good time. And I think that just really reminded me of the kind of the buyer's journey right now. If you're calm and explaining things, people are going to be okay because I have absolutely seen a a shift in buyer's perspectives over the last, you know, year, year and a half in terms of people were very appreciative to have houses. And now I think builders are are kind of checking out of the journey and not guiding customers as they may have given them more attention or giving them updates. And so, you know, the if the builder's looking like they're panicking, the buyer's looking like they're panicking, or if the builder's not looking at, the buyer doesn't know where to look. And so, you know, I think it's just that going along with how to treat buyers, just make sure you're you're kind of looking at them in the face as you're talking to them, making sure they're okay and just we're we're in this together, buddy. And um, dip their head underwater with you know you're <laughs> going you're going with them. So that's uh, there's my... definitely true to that, and I'll get into it more when I tell my story. But in our house process, the fact that I know the owner of the organization and have known him for a couple of years, and I, it it doesn't really matter what goes on. He's he's so calm and level headed. Could be because he's not super connected with what's going on day to day, but it's also just the fact that you know he, he's well capitalized enough to solve problems and mm-hmm. and he cares about his reputation. So it's there's definitely a sense of at least from my perspective, not necessarily my wife's. That's a tension <laughs> point, but from my perspective, it's like yeah, it's all right. He'll take care of it. Yeah, yeah whatever I, whatever needs to happen will happen. I agree with that. It's like if you go to Chick Fil A. I feel like they're the perfect example of all this. Like <laughs> the times when they're just not overwhelmed, even though there'd be 400 cars getting their fried chicken on a Wednesday yeah. night, whatever night it is, like they're calm and collected. And therefore I feel like on average, even if the lines are huge, everyone's like, oh, this is just what it is. We're peaceful. Everyone's still nice versus you go to a, yes. another fast food place yeah. and That's they so hate true. their job, they hate their life. And so the tension there, so it's like Walmart versus Target. Typically you could not, they're not all like that. But I think on average, you could be like, okay, the tone and attitude of the employees or people yeah. that are directing the transaction yeah. do dictate. Yeah. I, mean, I think we've I all guess. been to a McDonald's and there's not very many people there, but still the people behind the counter are screaming at each other or like yeah. calling each other names. <laughs> and <laughs> you're right. And when right now? when you said, when you said that, I was like, yeah, I've never seen like two Chick-fil-A employees get hot at each other because someone passed each other the wrong bag no. or messed up an order or whatever. Yeah. We even had, I went there on Tuesday and I did the curbside pickup because I don't want to talk to anybody. So I just, you know, go on my app, click it. It took like, it's a terrible location as far as like the roads around it. It took like 10 minutes to get into the parking lot just because it's a standstill if there's too many cars. So in total, it took about 35 minutes to pick up Chick-fil-A, which is nuts. It was like six, six forty-five, seven o'clock, which I guess is a busier time. But they were behind on this, behind on that. The person came to the to my, to my door, mm-hmm. explained it, and they were like, uh, "Yeah, this is what happened. I'm so sorry." I'm like, "Okay, it's all good." 
Like they were just like, cool do you see how cucumber. they also didn't ignore you? Because I feel like a lot of they didn't, and they were honest. I'm like, you're like, oh, the chicken, like, yeah. and this and this, and I'm like, oh, that makes sense. They're like, we yeah. can't really rush the chicken; it has to cook. Make sure it's done. I'm like, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Sounds yeah. good. I don't want a raw chicken. Like that's very appreciated. So they, yeah, they're honest and transparent. Good story. Is that how is that for you as the person directing the baby in the water? Are you stressed out because you have to not be? But you, here's your baby. You're I putting mean, underwater. I, and I think it's the same with builder. You know, like even if you are it's dying just, on the inside, you put on a good face. And yeah. I think that's all people need to say. Cause I, you know, I personally don't want to dip my child under the water for 10 seconds, but I, if it is something that helps them in the long run, it's something that I need to do. And so, um, yeah, put on the brave face. He was great. Loved, loved swimming underwater. Very surprising. Okay. And so, um, yeah, only one yeah, the, and a half. The mimicry is real, not just in home builders and how they market and, and sell their product, <laughs> but in kids in general, yeah. you know, we're getting ready to take all four of our kids to Guatemala this time. And so the youngest two boys, six and eight, like, Hey, you're going to see kids doing things when we go out to the villages and you're going to think, well, look at that kid he looks like he's four and he just climbed this palm tree to the very top or climbed on top of a half built structure with steel rods that would impale you. Like he's just up there skipping along. I want to do that. It looks like fun. Like no, you cannot copy any behavior you're seeing from other kids there because they're, it's just not allowed for, for many, many reasons, but yeah. Yeah. Oh man. That sounds like a great time. Also not allowed is playing hide and seek when trying to get through customs going into a foreign country that happens. (laughs) years ago with our 10 oh, year old oh, daughter. Man. She just was like, we lost her for 15 My. seconds. Did she inform yeah, you she was playing the game or no, she just the, of course. assumed you knew? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she was kind of upset with her sister and decided that was, that was a cover. So I was playing hide and seek, but I think she was really just pouting around the like corner under, under the YouTube steps. Prank. Uh, hid from my plate hide and seek and customs. Uh-huh. So yeah, also, also don't hide from your customers uh, behind mm-hmm. walls. There you go. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Well, I have a light, quick story. I don't know if it's a story other than it's video has definitely been more popular these days. I blame mm-hmm. TikTok because that turned everybody into a producer, creator, all that stuff. But I still think there's one thing that a lot of people forget about. Not Actually, I think everybody forgets about is thinking about where that video is going to be distributed, if that video is edited for that channel or for mm-hmm. that format, wherever it may be. And then also just like the standard, I feel like the standard approach, if you're making a video, any type of video, you have the horizontal version that the company you're, you're partnered with more than likely. Okay, cool, cool. Here's a deliverable. I'm sending it to you. I think the standard needs to really shift to here's the horizontal YouTube version. Here's the square version for Instagram. Here's the vertical version for your stories. Here's this for Instagram reel. And it's all part of the same edit. It's the same story. It's the same cut through as far as like um the the flow of the story but it's made for each version of that and that should just in my opinion i'm like okay that should just be like what people should be expecting these days especially like the horizontal like the format version because if it's on when when i experimented with tiktok and i uploaded all my files you know obviously then i wanted to download it and i was like oh i'd really like to share this on my instagram but obviously the tiktok logos are on it so i did in that moment realize i needed to rewind and create that somewhere else and then upload it so that it has like a longer shelf life as a content piece than just, mm-hmm. okay, this one app, because I almost feel like sometimes just creating it in its own, you know, bucket, isn't going to do anyone any good, like you're saying. So yeah. uh, also just a quick reminder that if you use any copyrighted material, when you're creating a TikTok for TikTok, all is fair and love and war and ads. But if you take that content and post it outside of TikTok on YouTube or social, be prepared mm-hmm. to potentially get a strike on your account from Warner Brothers or, or oh yeah, whoever owns the rights to said music. Um, it's not mm-hmm. a free pass. You, you don't. It's not allowed. You can't do it. <laughs> yeah, you could I, just... I think that actually came through. We saw Warner Brothers ping yeah. someone for their music. It was a, it was a live uh, video that, that someone had made yeah. about a year ago, and the sales team had just apparently used Spotify or something to turn on music during the warm up time when nothing was happening, as people were waiting for the live yeah, video to start. I was like, what the same the same world? would apply yeah. for for any piece of content that was that was made. Yeah, if it's on TikTok, then if you made it for TikTok first, which I'm not talking about like should you or should you not, but like you have the raw video, hopefully, and you could just upload it to Instagram and pick the same song in the reel on Instagram, so you can get around it. it. Takes a little bit longer, but yeah, end of story. Yeah, lots of things to consider that sometimes you're so only going to learn which in the is, moment. I think to back up though, the main reason to me worth stating those points is to circle 
around and decide, do I really need to be in all these places? Because I don't need to be there with substandard content. You saw, talked about that before, Andrew, like zero reason to be on TikTok if you're just going to post. I agree. If there's no real, like if there's, yeah, correct. If it's just the same video thrown on TikTok, that makes no sense. Not saying you have to go all in and like, we're doing all the dances sales team, like da, 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 like don't do that. But there's definitely builder focused marketing. That's, that seems to mostly fit TikTok or Instagram real format. But I would say like, if I were to pick a, I would go square because that would be on Facebook. It's the and, safest because then Instagram. you can add captions or other things around yep. in the, in the, and it'll look the best. Although that's definitely hard on the video editing side because you're not mm-hmm. on the camera. It's horizontal. Like you're not filming square so that you you have to keep that in mind or your production company has to keep that in mind. Like, Oh, do I have enough room to crop while also not cutting someone's head like in half or half the house is lost, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah. if it's going to be viewed the most on a square format, that's, you know, that kind of overrides everything. Definitely. Yeah. And then Kevin, I think you have a really fun story Super time. I got all story. kinds of stuff because oh, yeah. I'm not going to be listen. here next week. <laughs> but for, first of all, I did go out and buy a car. My wife was driving our 2009 pilot who we talked about before um, on our live episode live streamed episode that I was going to trade in. I, I got cold feet and I was like, I don't want to mess with that. I don't want to trade it in. So we're just going to wait, wait it out. And it essentially all but died. It, it, it was oh, making no. enough noises. The taillight stopped working because someone backed into the uh, basketball hoop. Uh, the radio doesn't work. The timing belt was probably oh, off. There was some other, like anytime you went over a bump, it sounded like the car was about to fall apart. So she was like, look, you just got to get rid of this thing. So you I went out Saturday morning early and I've been researching cars on and off for the past year and the cars that I want either aren't available or would have to be on a wait list, not a Tesla. I have no interest in a Tesla right now, but other vehicles. So I thought I will just get something uh, a little bit more, more modest and, and I'll, in terms of price range, I'll use it for two or three years, get a couple scratches on it and then pass it on to my kids when they get their license. Hmm. So okay. went to the, went to the dealership and they only had three cars uh, we're always looking at Jeep Wranglers. They had two, two doors, which is not going to work for a family of six and one four door. So I was like, okay, I'll test drive this one. Go take the test drive. The whole experience, um, the car was selected. I, uh, psychology is always interesting, right? I selected the car in a matter of 10 minutes after being there. They had information online that the car would be there, but I was hesitant to believe that it was really going to be there. It was probably going to be a bait and switch, I thought, but it was there. It had six miles on it. So it had just, just arrived, but mentally I purchased the car in about five to 10 minutes and then took three hours to get the car and salespeople fighting with my salesperson saying, you can't sell it to him because I've got people who have expressed interest in that car already. And they did it before this guy showed up and he was like, no, he's here. And he just did a test drive. I've got the keys. Thought there might be a slight tussle that went down. Then there's people calling in. Uh, two customers walk up and actively like my salesperson said to come check and see if you're really going to buy this car because I want to test drive it. So there's definitely a lot of correlations here to home building. Um, and did and what's you going can on. I interrupt? Did you ever feel like I'm just not dealing with this because this is just stupid? Like I don't, my ego, I'd be like, I'm not dealing with like, I feel like I'm out of here. Like I know we need a car, but like, no, um, no. Know. And, and I, I think again, that's interesting because I knew that I had something that other people wanted and was in short, so it's, it's similar to a builder saying, Hey, um, your price is going to go up by 10 grand. But again, my favorite quote from a consumer was, but I can do math and my equity went up by 30 grand. So I'm not, I'm not letting you cancel me. Like I'm, I'm not happy, but I'll pay the 10 grand. There was no negotiation on real, really negotiation, minor negotiation on trade in value, um, which, you know, to me was almost worth zero, but they, they gave me uh, a good amount. But it just took for forever to go through the process. And so I'm sitting there for about two and a half hours by myself at different points over the three hour experience. And so I just, I started putting back on my sales and marketing hat and consumer hat and just listening to the conversations around me. And yes, I did, I did post both in the Facebook group and on LinkedIn. And I have an interesting, or some people's interesting um, feedback on this, but there were two salespeople right around the corner um, I could see one of them. I couldn't see both of them. They they were definitely nearby. And and one sales rep said to the other, "Hey, do you have someone out on a test drive?" And the other sales rep replied back and said, "Yeah, but they've already asked like three questions, 
it may just not be worth the effort. They seem like a difficult customer. And you know, a lot of the responses were like only three questions or like, wow, right on the money. Hope this isn't real. Shante said, please tell us this did not really happen. <laughs> <laughs> All kinds of surprise. But I said the end of the story because the correlation to home building is I think, pretty clear overall that questions used to be a buying signal. And right now, <laughs> questions apparently are frustrating. And even if they're tough questions, I would submit that that is still a buying signal. You know, sales trainer that we used to use a lot used to always say the spoken objection is always better than the unspoken one. You can't overcome the unspoken objection. True. But I had someone reach out to me and I always find it interesting. Oh, do I, do I not have it anymore? Like, uh, I want to, well, it was, it was negative an questions. Do you know, uh, do you remember like the ones I had the, that were over or the three questions? You didn't hear those. Never mind. Oh the yeah. I don't, I don't know what they were, you know, but it was, it was like, apparently Either the fact that they asked questions or that the questions were nitpicky, uh, the salesperson just di didn't appreciate. Someone uh, reached out to me on on LinkedIn in a private message and was like, you know, I might have a different take. Like, you know, there's car shortages, like there is house shortages and maybe all things being equal, they just wanted to to pick a customer that was going to be easier to make happy than another customer. So I just wanted to get your guys's take on that like maybe this isn't such That's a bad kind of where i was thinking like depending on the qu questions like were like like to say it in 2020 like oh shoot this is a karen like buyer <laughs> and so they could be like i don't like kevin's really nice he's awesome like i'd rather deal with him than like this lady's crazy this dude's crazy like but if they're just normal questions when you're buying a car like oh is there what's the warranty can you move on the price a little bit i saw another dealership or like normal things then i feel like no, like, it has to be telling of, you know, we're saying it's telling of the buyer, but it's also telling of the salesperson of, you know, I, are they saying that they don't want to work to be determined, are, but like, I think we all know car salesmen and that could be an issue with that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We, we, usually and, not and the prejudging is usually warranted to, to be clear. So mm -hmm. my sales, I walked into the dealership. I'm there at eight 30 in the morning. Uh, I think they opened up at eight. No one shows up to say hello. And I just kind of hang out at the little desk at the front and the sales manager in the little high up area in the corner is like, have you been <laughs> helped, sir? Tower yeah. Over there. Have you been helped, sir? No, no, I haven't. It's like, okay, well, I'll, I'll find someone to help you. And I, again, I can hear him because it's not a huge show. I mean, he walks back and he's like, hey, man, you got a customer up here. And still like a good 15 seconds go by before this guy saunters out. And he had been watching Netflix with AirPods. Uh, at his desk. Hmm. And as we began our initial conversation, the show was still playing on his phone that was propped up in the corner. He had just put his AirPods down, but couldn't. You know, it was just like, that's one of those moments see, where when you purchase like, from someone, I'm not worth your time, am I? Like, yeah, it's not yeah. that you're worth your time, but you're also like, you're getting the commission on this. I don't yeah. like you. And you, and that's, and that's when people jump agents too. You know, I, I know agent sales teams get offended and it's like, well, sometimes you just you're not connecting with the salesperson. Yeah. And that's the reason. Cause I probably in that situation, I've walked away from um, sales car salesmen because I've personally felt disrespected being a woman purchasing a car. They kept talking to my husband. I was like, well, you're not getting my money later. And so I didn't buy. Yes. So and hmm. you, the, the, the stereotype is, is there in real. Yeah. But I think again, it's more an issue of fatigue in the market of all salespeople selling anything that isn't, you know, my analogy that I used twice on calls today and yesterday with someone uh, around this idea is, and we talked about it as a group, if you were going to order a shirt online mm -hmm. and you really liked it, like it was your favorite shirt ever. And it was a $65 masterpiece of a shirt. Beautiful. And you went to click the purchase button and it said, oh, sorry, we're, we're low on stock. So you have to join a wait list and then we'll notify you when you can order. And then you got the notification two days later that shirts were in stock and you went there and it was, they didn't have your size. And then you got another notification, still not your size. Third notification shows up after a couple of days and they do have your size. You go to check out and it says, hey, I know this shirt's 65 bucks. We're going to go ahead and pre-charge your card $100 because by the time your shirt gets to you, we may have to raise the price to 85 or 90 because of, you know, costs. No, no one's buying that shirt. And no. so I, I think to me, the story is not so much about just the, 
poor customer experience that mm-hmm. this person's probably getting is just the mental fatigue. Um, it's not that just salespeople are lazy, salespeople are bad, those kind of things. It's like, this didn't happen to be this person's viewpoint because of one bad day or one bad week. Like, oh my gosh, these customers are coming in with super high expectations. I have limited ability to meet those expectations mm-hmm. because I got I got to work with what I have. And and hopefully he used to be much more positive and upbeat and was like, I'm still going to go for it. Like we're going to get this one. And, and again, I think there's parallels there to home building too. So that's the yeah. first story. Yeah. Fatigue for sure. And and that rolls into my next point, which is when the going gets tough, will your team quit the frontline online salespeople, marketers, or, or maybe will you quit? And so we had um, a marketer quit a company with no notice um, last Friday. And we also had multiple online salespeople quit a different organization we work with and different reasons probably behind all of this, but it is more consistent talking to builders around the country that the people hired over the past year, year and a half are not necessarily, they, they don't have the same grit level that people who have been in the industry longer have had. And so there is, there is real risk here of not having the staff we need um, as things get tougher. You know, when, when the going gets tough, are people just gonna gonna pop? I saw also um, some someone else that I know who was head of construction for a large home building company just decided to start his own home building car- company last month. And so you wow. wonder, like, what's the background mm-hmm. there? What was the stress and the pressure of all the backlog and the home's not done? And he thought, you know what, it would just be easier to start over with take my experience and start fresh. Like mm-hmm. all those unhappy people, someone else has to deal with them now. But I keep I keep coming back to the average tenure of most of the marketers that we interact with is four to five years. And the last really hard time was 12 to 13 years ago. And so um, you, I think you kind of have to start mentally preparing yourself now for when they go and get stuff. What, what's your plan? What are you going to do? Yeah, this is an interesting conversation. Um, I think I could go a few different ways. Do you think it's on the marketer, which I think we're, we're kind of talking about more mid, mid-level, lower level? Or do you think it's fatigue of management and leadership that's then sending fatigue down to the people that are more easily able to change their job again every situation will be different but i think yeah i think a common thread of the most stressed out sales teams and marketing teams around the country a common Mm -hmm. thread is probably someone who should be retiring or retired being in charge that sounds ageist, so let me try to qualify that before I get canceled. But yeah. in years and decades past, a CMO of a large organization would be someone who really understands brand and has a good sense of that. And they would lead all other disciplines underneath the marketing umbrella from the brand perspective. And I, that just doesn't work in 2021. It will work even less in 2022 and will probably be completely irrelevant by 2030, not because brand is less important overall, but from an execution level, there are things about brand you can control directly from the company perspective, and there's things you can't. And the things that you can control directly from a technological perspective and data perspective, if you've got someone leading the ship who just barely understands the definitions of words we say on this podcast, and they're the ones making the call on how everything else is going to go, the level of stress is off the charts. And buy yeah. online is a perfect example of that. Someone who has no concept of what it really means is like, mm-hmm. just change the button and make it happen. Make it say, instead of request an appointment, just change it to say, buy now. Yeah. And they don't understand the ripple effect and the waves that they're causing behind them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so that's what I, I was thinking more elegantly said. Like, depending <laughs> well, on what I guess, like, so especially if you think, like, I don't know, I'm thinking, maybe I'm being more advocate for those, those not, not that you're not being advocate for those, but like, because at some point you go like, am I, is this place going to further my career or not for those people in the middle? If mm-hmm. that is their leadership, they're like, I'm stuck. All my colleagues and other builders are doing. I think people project. are okay being stuck for a while if there's overall progress of the department yeah. or the company. But when the company and the department are stuck in growth, Perfect example of a conversation we had fairly recently is, hey, why isn't your interactive sitemap being used? You have one, but it's hidden. 
Well, because you know the the person in charge is concerned about the colors used on the interactive site plan are not currently up to brand standards. Yeah. I'm sorry, that person's wrong. We should yeah. inform the customer yeah. of what is sold and available accurately when we have the ability to do so, regardless if sold is using red or teal. It doesn't like that's the stuff that yeah. these people I who agree. understand the world we live in are just like, you know what? Nope. Yeah. Sometimes it's easier to throw up your hands and restart with another. Well, especially because how many people are looking for those great people right now? If you, again, just word of advice to anyone listening who thinks that your team is completely secure. If you don't think, if you have great people on your team and you think they aren't checking out other opportunities or taking calls from recruiters, you're crazy. I mean, everyone is looking to upgrade anyone on their team they can right now. And, and depending on their state of concern, they're willing to do so at, at crazy salary levels. So when you're, when you're preventing progress or solving a problem, like, hey, we'd love to sell these final three home sites, but you look at this site plan that's static and it doesn't show any sales at all, so there's no urgency built, mm-hmm. the, the person who really understands it is like, well, Brand colors be damned. I'm going to show the accurate amount yes. of, of homes available here first. Yeah, no one cares about the brand colors right now. When they yeah. want well, not sale. Like, what, it doesn't matter. Red, no one cares anyways. <laughs> like, they don't yeah, even but especially when it comes to communicating what's sold, like if you're using a color that's not red, like that's, that's somewhat ubiquitous and universal. If you look at a site map and you see red dots, that means sold. Yep, it doesn't mean this is the Stanford floor plan. You could have no Long key. Plans. You could have like red, yellow, green. Green, okay, that's probably what I have. Yeah. Red, I can't have yellow. Green is available. Yellow is inventory home. Red is sold. That again isn't, is a, isn't, yeah, isn't there a saying, funny. anything worth doing is worth doing poorly? Like, get that on your site. It, you know, we make like family that. fun of. There's other people <laughs> who have websites, and they're not great, but they have all the content up. It yeah. might not be in yeah. a pretty format, but you're working on it on the back end. You have goals. Just just get what you need up now. And then hopefully yeah. you have the, enough call to actions where you can contact them to fill in yeah. the voids of information. And again, to, to, to fully explain my position, it is not that you have to be okay forever mm-hmm. with the sitemap not having brand standard colors on it. So you do it poorly, Jackie, get it done, but then make sure you finish it up yeah. and don't let it linger. That makes me want to sing a cranberry song now. Yeah, <laughs> done, um, done is better than perfect. Is that um, didn't uh, Facebook? Someone at Facebook said that. No, I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Let's find it. Yeah, moving on no to the close. next story because we still have two more <laughs> quick one. stories. There's oh, a house man. update. Yeah. Love it. House is going into final inspections today and tomorrow, pre drywall. Whoa. And then nice. hopefully uh, insulation on Monday. They're saying drywall will take roughly three weeks due to the size of the home and the um, type of finish on the drywall that that we elected for. Oh, so I see a picture too already. Uh, well, not already, but as predicted estimated move in timeframe has been shifted from September to November. And this is where I've been all along. And we talked about that, like, oh, please don't tell my wife September. Cause there's no reason to set that expectation. And every time my wife interacts with the project manager, she's like, so Brandon, what, uh, what date are we looking at? And I'm like, Brandon, I, I try to always jump in. I'm like, once the drywall is done, he will give us a date, assuming all the materials are, but <laughs> until the inspections are all passed, there is zero reason for him to give you an update right now. And like, let me help you. So it's been delayed and that's, that, that's all right. Um, but the, the bigger thing, and I think this is where a lot of people can um, relate, is we are doing a pool and we have told them about the pool since the pre-construction meeting. We have attempted multiple times to say, you all should talk to each other. And this is the, the pool company was recommended by the owner of the company building our house. So, hey, we're trying to you know, sync these two organizations up who apparently like each other and have some experience working together. So great, let's, let's do this. And you know that list of the three or four things that I was super concerned about from the beginning, because I never, like the idea of doing the pool at the same time of the house, to me, is still, and I, and I hope I end up being wrong, an awful idea. It's hard enough to build a house, let alone introduce another party who has to tie into electrical and gas and change the grade and do all these other things at the same time as the house being built. So there, this was a very stressful interaction, but everyone's finally on the same page. But you know, the pool is supposed to start digging in a couple of weeks. 
And it wasn't until this conversation that happened today that all the things that we brought up at the pre-construction meeting, you know, back in February or January, whenever that was, like, oh, we'll we'll figure that out. Won't be a problem. Mm-hmm. And now there's this checklist of things that, you know, the pool company, I don't know them well enough to make too much other than this guy comes in, he's he's super well composed, well spoken, and he like you can tell this guy knows his stuff. Okay. But he showed up late in the process from my perspective, right? We've called and said, hey, come out. The salesperson of the pool company has given us information that continues to be incorrect or not right. This guy is the owner of the pool company. He's out there doing the work, super knowledgeable. And he's like, oh man, if you hadn't put the sewer pipe there, it would have made this easier. And, and I'm like, yeah, you dummy. But his his whole presentation was basically like, I'm here now, I'm the savior. I'm going to give you a great pool and I'm going to solve all these problems. But man, why did your, why didn't your home builder do this? And why didn't they do that? And, and so what was really interesting to me was leaving. My wife's impression was this is, this is kind of a disaster. And, and I think I could survey her, but I think her, most of her dissatisfaction was on the home builder side of man, you know, this should have happened and they should have had things prepared the way this guy wanted. And I said, hold up. Like who, she said the sale, well, the salesperson from the pool company has been out there two or three times and looked and measured and done that. And I go, and he was wrong. Well, I know, but now this guy's here and he and he's going to fix everything. And I'm like, but who did that guy work for? The guy who was wrong. <laughs> like, so I just thought you guys would enjoy the story of the dynamics of from someone who knows a lot more than your average person about home building and construction and even doing pools while building a house. It was pretty quick. I could have found myself quickly being like, yeah, you know what? The home builder messed this up. They should have checked with the pool company. They should have done this, that, or the other things. But it was, in my mind, at the end of the day, the pool organization, even though this guy was better, mm-hmm. he, he was more knowledgeable than our superintendent about the things they were discussing. You could tell from the confidence level, but he showed up late. Yeah. And so that doesn't make it better. Like you're, you're telling us all the stuff we needed to know three months ago to really make this as smooth as possible. I think it's, um, Jackie, you're on Reddit. Uh, it's like there's this Reddit, subreddit, and mm-hmm. on Reddit of the five people listening that know what it is no it's definitely generational like you're if you're between this this you know what it is but it's it's am i the i'm not gonna say the word on the podcast who sucks here who who's in the wrong yeah. and to me mine's like well everyone kind of sucks here like it's not really yeah. anyone's in particular fault but like home builder like oh there's pool going in we cannot have anything here in the backyard because that xyz is gonna happen we should probably pre-wire for this or like at least know like hey what do you guys need we need to tell the oakley's that this is gonna happen they need to pay for this ahead of time. And he kept it. saying to the builder, like, well, if you can make this happen for me, this will save, you know, Melanie and Kevin some money on the pool. And I'm thinking, like, well, we're going to pay for it. Screw, <laughs> screw that. You gave us a price to install a pool yeah. under what pretense and circuit, like, for example, and then we'll move on. But we, we have to have propane tanks uh, that will be buried by the house because there's no gas on, on the home site. And so he's like, yeah, just stub out some, some, a propane thing on the side where the pool equipment's going to go. We'll all be good. Well, propane heaters for pools are like 200,000 BTUs or something ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And so the manifold where the main propane line goes into the house and then gets split off, it's already enormous. And, and our project manager is like, well, my concern would be that all that is designed based upon a certain amount of total pressure on the system. And now you're introducing something that is like two X what the entire rest of the system is. And so we might have to start over from scratch on this whole process. And whereas this guy's perspective is like, I'll oh, just stub something out and then we'll make it work. And this seems like it's dangerous. At least in my mind, I don't know anything about it. But well, so the yeah. two people you said they recommended each they're, they're aware of each other. You think they would have had an open, better open so line of communication. And it's just like, yeah. Nope. Yeah. yeah. Hey, we need a sub panel over here. Oh, your salesperson said you needed two outlets. Uh, with a shutoff, which we put there. In fact, I put four outlets in a shutoff for you. Oh, well, he's wrong. He's still a good salesman, but he doesn't know. It. I was just like. Yeah. And you two <laughs> needed to come together. People. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Okay. Um, and then finally, moving on. Woo. I would say 90% of the builders we work with plan to be back to a mostly na- normal sales process come August in, in all of their divisions, cities, neighborhoods, meaning the old fashioned way you can show up and buy a house, buy a home site um, with a floor plan. 
and so that's incredibly interesting because we work with several builders in Texas and, and other hot markets, and they're still mostly planning to do the same thing. And then about 10 to 15%, shockingly, and despite my begging and pleading, plan to show promotions and incentives either on their homepage or on community pages when still in all of the data, there is not a lack of traffic, especially in comparison to 2019. I would say the average builder is 20, 30, even 40% higher in traffic right now than they were mm -hmm. in July of 2019. Lead counts double what they were in 2019. Or we're going to throw the incentive out at the part of the process where the incentive is not necessary. If we're still getting double the amount of leads as we were two years ago, the incentive, if it's going to be used, should be done at the appointment to sale conversion point. Given to the sales rep, using your back pocket, reduce home site premiums, reduce option pricing, reduce something else. Why you would say 10K off any home. Welcome yeah. to the homepage. Just uh, don't, don't do it. Uh, and then, Bad oh, idea. Could you imagine recent buyers that like closed like a month before, two months before, and they're like, what? Are you kidding me? Like, oh, you're going to like this story, Andrew. Someone told us uh, they oh. used, and this is, this could be wrong. This is complete hearsay. Sure, it's right. Okay. Don't, don't sue me. We need to figure out. Uh, we need a get disclaimer. The, get button. the legalese, Jackie. Yeah. Um, someone who used to work, I think like 10 years ago with KB Ooh, said okay. all KB would do is they would just raise their home site premiums to like 70 grand. And then when they needed to drop pricing, they would keep the base price the same to keep everyone happy and just reduce the home site premiums. Genius. So everyone in backlog, like the home, still the home, the price of the home, the premium would change. And there was no way to see that on the site. So do we like that? Do y'all like that? I think that. Um, like is not the right word. Or what price do you adjust? If you need to bring prices down, what do you, what do you bring down? If you have a premium in the base price? This is a whole nother episode. That is a whole. But, but let's talk about this, that next time because okay. there's, it depends on the severity of the decline, what my answer would be. Yeah. If you're talking about situations that we're in right now where I don't know if we've ever talked about that type of thing because podcast like everything has been rising right. rising rising since this but in the situation where your lead count is double what it was in 2019 yeah don't do in promotion. the month of july 2021 so they've seen the pricing they they know the current realities and you still have twice as many leads um then potentially yeah adjust other things other than base price when things actually get difficult the name of the game is reduce the base price any way possible. And so the best thing to do, although builders are reluctant to do it because of their backlog, is to reprice the base house to market pricing. And then you figure out how much money you make or don't make after that. You don't, you don't take cost, add the margin you want to make and say that's the retail price. That's not pricing the market. Market is what is this thing actually worth? And then figuring out how much money you make at the end of it. Um, because if you don't have enough leads, yeah. then you've got to bring down the base price. So it's, it's, it's about where in the funnel and also the severity of it, but we can definitely break that down more. Yeah. Let's do it. Cool. Some other time. Yeah. And okay. I think also yeah. just one little note for the, I saw a builder who had their old incentive on their social pages and everywhere organically. And then they didn't know where it also like when you're changing things, or if you're going back to the normal way of selling, just do a, do a social media, do an overhaul of where all of your content is currently. And if you need to pull anything off of websites, pull any old videos down on YouTube, you know, if there's anything that you're just don't yeah, want delete. living out in the world, just don't just get it out of there. So. Yep. 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 All right. Moving on to the news. First up from searchengineland.com. Google now shows why it ranked a specific search result. Oh. Now list several of the factors it used to rank a result in the about this result section. Is this to prevent them being broken up with antitrust, you think, Andrew? I, I don't know. Um, but because I try to mimic this and I, I try I to get mimic very, it too. I get very limited things. So like to me, I'm like, okay, well, what can people take away from this is if you do what factors does Google show? These are, to me, this is like the cheat sheet for like, how does organic SEO work? Search terms that appear in the result. So there's search terms on the page, New Homes Tampa, that's on your page, New Homes Tampa. Search terms related to your search. So things around that, that theme. Other websites with your search terms linking to that result. Um, so like a Tampa Bay Home Builder Association, whatever it is, linking to Tampa Bay Home Builder. The result has images. So they, this is a sneaky one. They know what Tampa is. So if you type in Tampa Bay, or Tampa, and you go to Google Image Search, Google and their magicness of AI and machine learning mm -hmm. and computer vision knows what Tampa looks like. 
those images plus houses, house images, now you're Tampa Bay housing or whatever market you're in. Then of course you need to be in English if your site is for English and search term is English and the results relevant for the region. So you're yeah. in that area. So I'm like, this is like the cheat sheet of like, am I doing these things? And can I think I can talk about organic SEO? Like here's, here you go. Now you're super smart on all of this. Do you feel yeah, like people will actually utilize this or is it more just for, you know, trying to promote it towards um, advertisers or just like, it, it I think they're trying. One, they're trying more. to increase transparency because they don't want to get broken up. And so, one of the the examples that they're listing here is based upon the search term "get the shot." So, mm -hmm. highly politicized or contentious topics. They are trying to provide quick transparency to say, "Look, this is why the AI system did what it did. It's not because we're trying to play favorites of who does or who doesn't deserve to be in like." everyone's concerned that there's manipulation behind the scenes on what gets promoted. So I think that's part of it. And then the other thing that this reminds me of is just the, why did I see this ad on Facebook? It's again, yeah. all these folks like to copy each other. It's, it's just saying, here's what we think we know uh, from a privacy perspective. And, and some of that could inform what you choose to do from a, from a marketing and organic search perspective. But most of this stuff is like, you know, this result has images related to your search. Very this minimal. result is in English. This result is relevant for searches from many regions, including the United States, where this search is being done. So it's in beta. It's rolling out now. You you won't see it everywhere. So check out the link in the show notes if you want to dig into it more. But I, I mean, anything they can do to provide some additional transparency, I think can help. Mm -hmm. But you're not getting you're not getting the silver bullet answers of what you need to do based upon this. It's basically letting you understand how the machine learning is working. Mm -hmm. uh, sticking on the Google theme from CNBC.com, Google advertising revenue rises 69% from last year. 69% from last advertising year. Advertising is back. Yeah, it's pretty close to double. I mean, did you see the, the stat in there was YouTube revenue came in over 7 billion, which is up 83%. Well, and it also, and that's what that link was, I sent earlier, you know, talked about YouTube shorts are really, you know, doing very well for YouTube. And I was yeah, like, wow, that is something that I feel like has just been like very, it's their competitive um, TikTok, TikTok competitor. Yeah. The reels mm -hmm. and TikToks. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, yeah they're, they're all just trying about to those compete and, against each other. And I just, I have not, of course I use YouTube either for music or from in the car and I want to listen to something that's what? easier. I don't watch it. I listen to it. How old are you again? <laughs> How old am I? I don't, I don't watch it, but if there's you like YouTube in the car or to listen to music, yeah, no, so no um, Spotify, Apple music, Pandora. Well, that's if I want music, but in the car, if I'm so like on this video, like learning video. Mm -hmm. So there's different YouTubers, Chris Howe mm -hmm. and all these other people, Peter McCannon, like I'll listen to like their short, like, a, like it's a podcast. Yeah. Like it's a five to 10 minute tutorial on them and I'm listening to it. I'm not watching it cause I'm driving, but like I'll get the premise of what they're talking about there as far as like yeah. oh how to shoot b-roll as far as like if i want to even understand this to be able to talk to builders about what b-roll is like what well, kind of need to know what what the heck it is and educate and so it's like many little podcasts is how i use youtube so rarely unless i'm at my computer am i actually looking at youtube i'm a weirdo maybe i'm like <laughs> the one percent of people no, you're probably not that way. weird I'm, we're, i am um, probably the weirdo who's using people YouTube. at the gym have youtube on i'm like those people are strange i'm like get and it's like a video playing and like they're their phones on the ground. Are they like, live streaming their workout? No, it's like on the ground about to get smashed and they have like a music video playing. Like that's what they're using. I'm like, what's wrong? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. They need Spotify. I mean, it's a, it's a Florida thing, man. Florida people. Yeah. Florida man watches <laughs> YouTube. At, yeah, <laughs> While driving. I don't know. While so driving. What the, the takeaway from this news article is obviously advertising is back across mm -hmm. all different marketplaces, not just new homes. And that is going to drive up costs. And I'm reminded of the story two years ago, I think of a, of a single division of a, of a larger builder who we do not work with, but they were spending in 2019, $22,000 roughly on search a month in a single market. That was in 2019. So then 2020 happened and all of the leadership, even the boomers realized that digital was really important and produced results. I'm Super interested to hear from those same people. I think some of them are coming to the summit. How much are you spending now in that same market? Because if you were spending 22 before, I bet they're spending 35, 38 in a yeah. single market. Mm -hmm. Which is interesting. Per month. This is a on, per month number. On Google search, 
here's a lesson, I guess a lesson, and I could be wrong in this, but I believe I'm right. If you have enough budget, you can have a huge influence on the bid price for that market. And mm-hmm. you're just shooting yourself in the foot trying to spend your budget. 100%. Yes. And you're just driving the price up and everyone else follows. And all of a sudden it's, it's like, yeah, you're creating the demand because you're bidding too much. Because and again, you want to spend it, it might money. not have been the case back in February or March yeah, when, the, when the overall amount of search volume was, was 40% higher. But now that the search volume has calmed down, if you're still spending that same amount and you're the big fish in the small pond, you're absolutely in that scenario. Yeah. 100%. 100%. So don't, don't do that. <laughs> if you're... Um, also, from Facebook, Facebook creates an executive team to work on Mark Zuckerberg's vision for a digital universe. Oh, Ready Player One, here we come. Ready Player One. Facebook will create a product team to work on the metaverse, a concept related to VR and AR that involves creating digital worlds that multiple people can inhabit at the same time. Continue to heavily invest in AR and VR. Of course, they own Oculus as well because mm-hmm. they offer the company the possibility of controlling its own hardware platform. I think we effectively transition people from seeing us as a primarily being a social net, social media company to being a metaverse company, Zuck said last week. Interesting. What a bunch of definitions there. I just charged my Oculus Go the other day, and I, I'm like, let me try this out again. I'm going to give them another shot. They're super, I mean, they're super cool immersive experiences in there, but it's still the, at least those are, I think you bought those for, this was like three years ago. You sent mm-hmm. them out. It was like just when there's four or five of us. Like the res, like it still needs at least that product. Maybe the, their new ones are better, but you, it's still like not pixelated. The you're immersed, but like the resolution is not high enough yet on at least for my eyes compared to looking at like a 4K monitor. Um, but this seems cool, especially as you think about like being able to experience live events without actually having to be there yeah, or be I, places that you're not. I think it's very easy for the the top 5% of the world to look at this and say, this guy is crazy. But if you live in a thousand square foot space or smaller, uh, and you, you can't afford to ever go to a concert, you've never been on an airplane. Mm -hmm. You live in a small, you know, hundred square foot, uh, home in Guatemala. I was just going to say this type of technology allows you, you know, it is, it, it could eventually become very similar to simply having the internet or not. Um, in terms of would you rather sit in your dirt floor hut or put this on and for, you know, one, one thousandth of the cost of buying a big screen TV, look at your digital wall and see the big screen TV there of your dreams. And so, I'm sure they'll be able to track, you know, eye movement. And so the data that might come out for advertisers in yeah, the future is going to be That's crazy. really interesting that you say that, Jackie. So there's... Because that's uh, the, the downfalls. Uh, the stupid joystick is terrible. No, no. The, the um, Oculus 2... The, the new ones, it does eyes, doesn't it? You know, the, the Quest 2, the Quest um, 2. I think it starts at 199 right now. Okay. And they offer a business version of... So the Quest 2, the downside is you have to... Well, you don't have to. You can hack it, but... In order to use it, you have to sign in with a Facebook account. And mm-hmm. Facebook gets 100% of all the data that you're using. They offer a business-only version of the same tool, and I think it's $500 more. Wow. And does not require a Facebook sign-in. So that is essentially their perceived value of the data that they're getting off of those devices. That's insane. So that that's really it. It's, it's again, it's, it's really a continuation of... Okay, Apple, you want to shut us out of the data we can collect? Then we're going to let people buy on our platform so they don't have to leave our platform or shop somewhere else so we can keep all that data. Well, if they create their own world, <laughs> they get to keep all the data related yeah. to said world. And it, it seems futuristic, but it's like, will we, in 10 years from now, look at phones and be like, you people, we used to watch like movies on these things? This is stupid. Like when you could put the, the, then 10 years from now technology of I think Google VR Glass and be in the movie. Yeah. I, 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 you know, some companies are just too ahead of their time. And I don't know if Google Glasses mm-hmm. was, but I, that was something where it was like, oh, that was interesting tracking where eyes go, you know, see what's on the screen quickly. But this seems more realistic because they're already utilizing this large, like, well, all of these people are already addicted to Facebook. And there have been massive waves of we're get deleting Facebook, we're deleting Facebook. And now the people who have stuck to Facebook are here. You, tomorrow, they're not deleting it. You know, this is not something that's going away. And so I feel like this is, I don't want to say it's the next Pokemon go or something like that, because I do feel like the future is this, you know, is this a 
way of school, you know, how, how is this going to incorporate in the world? So I threw it up here to talk about, because I'm like, wow, it's, it's the beginning of, I think the next wave of social media, which I think you touched on in the last, one of the last podcasts. And it's like, but is the future of social media, social world interaction and eye tracking advertising? And, and what does that mean for home builders? And is it, you know, the next wave of digital um, 3D floor plans are, oh, put your glasses on and now you're going to walk through it. And that's an actual realistic item that can come out of um, rendering companies and, and the expectations will be there. So super, super fun idea and a couple of years away, I think, but hopefully, hopefully sooner yeah, than later. It's very cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, this is required. So required interaction on everyone's part. If you, if you're somewhere where you can't do it right now, pull over, um, stop what you're doing, click the link in the show notes to the bloomberg.com interactive tool that shows the average costs throughout the entire stage of, of building a home. So what this tool lets you do is, um, overall the, as example here, the builder selling price, excluding the lot of a Baybrook model in Boise, Idaho is 58% higher than it was in 2019. Well, what, what makes that up? And it goes, you know, phase by phase of construction with an isometric rendering, starting with the foundation, 104% increase lumber, 262% increase trusses, 146% increase drywall, 26%. And so it lets you kind of step by stage by stage, build the home and understand the total impact on why costs continue to go up. And it's a great example to send people to who want to learn more and aren't just completely put off by, but they're wanting to understand why are, why is this happening? It's also a great idea of something that you could create on your own site with some of your own metrics and, and data points, or again, as an example, but using your own, your own home, it's just a really well done visualization of the complexity and the multiple stages that, that go into building a home and the, and the price impact due to the commodity and labor shortages. That's so very cool. Definitely yes. need to check that out. Although I did wish, I do wish like it is from Bloomberg. I'm like, I wish that was on like builder.com, like not builder, but like a builder's <laughs> website. Yeah. Like, like why did Bloomberg do it first? Other than, you know, the resources for something like this is probably a little bit, yep. a little bit more accessible. All right. And last up on the news from builderonline.com, home buyers willing to pay up to basically five grand more for $4,690 more than expected for the right paint color combinations. In a Zillow study, buyers indicated the strongest interest in homes with dark blue bedrooms and pale sky blue bathrooms. <laughs> but 1300 recent uh, or prospective U.S. buyers were asked how interested they were in touring a home, buying a home, and the price they'd be willing to pay based on viewing a particular color in a particular room. And so when uh, Andrew shared this with us, my first thought was if you're going to charge the perfect price in terms of high price point in the market, you need to be offering the perfect home and paint colors and selections are a big part of that. And with so many people building large amounts of inventory homes, I'm always nervous about how, how are those selections made, who decided what goes where, how much of it is a rubber stamp. And if, you know, if one fifth of their 300 inventory homes have the same incorrect choice of cabinet paint color mm -hmm. <laughs> countertop yeah oh boy oh boy's right so people boy. just it just you know i think what we showed is people are willing to pay that curated price tag because they don't want to do the work too and so if it already looks good you're right they don't want to move into a beige house beige everything and have to already redo everything and put that on their list of, oh, that's an extra cost and factor in. So yeah, here's to, maybe we should just send all builders this and here's the, here's the color, pick this one. And yeah. well, also I think it's an interesting example of the irrationality. You know, there's so many people in our industry who would be like, well, no, we're not letting people pick a different paint color. The whole house is white mm -hmm. because we're going to have a, you know, one fifty cleaning charge for the equipment before the painter picks a different paint in another room. Just not understanding the the true value versus yeah, cost of that something. I, that I never understood. And and I've never built a home and managed a team building homes, all this stuff. But I'm like, there's one I built. I'm like, I'm willing to pay like extra for these things I want. Like mm -hmm. the model home had trim, very simple trim, just essentially one by threes and one by fours accented around the home. That I'm like, oh, that looks kind of nice. Like how much is that? They're like, oh, that's just in the model. I'm like, oh, like we can't pay like, I don't know, is that, 
I don't know, whatever number, like, can we get a number on it? Or like they had the, the island was a different color, but we could not have that done. So I'm like, we went to design studio. I'm like, oh, can we do, you know, the island, like that's kind of like on trend now. Can we have the island painted a different color? No. I'm like, what if we paid for it? No. I'm like, okay, this is like, yeah. All these, I'm I like, mean, I'm, all these margins, I know it adds processes, but like the painters yeah. are already on site. Well, yeah. Charge me $400. Yeah. And if it's $100, I think it goes along with just sometimes it's just worth a couple stacks, you know, we're, you know, let's just have a quick conversation of why we can't do that. And it's not a no. Is it, is it the process? Is it just because, you know, the amount of times we have to go back, it's this or, oh, it won't be covered in warranty because it's technically, you know, what, what would it be that would cause this? Or um, is there someone you go, you know, we have that request all the time. We have this great painter. We really recommend after closing, like, and well, then yeah, that, that was solving the their problem. After going to lead us back to is it doesn't mean you have to do it at the outset, mm-hmm. but if you're having price objections and conversion issues, using a tool like Box Brownie or BDX's mm-hmm. uh, services or Rendering House's services to to put the right potential paint colors that the you know that that's what if you watch any HGTV show, every realtor just says, "Oh, that's easy. You could you know six grand. You could do that later after you move in." And and if you've been there like we were we were talking with a trim carpenter in my office that has three um um bump outs where the where the windows are and we stood there for a second i was like well yeah we'd like to do built-ins there like for window seats in the future and melanie just looks at me and she's like kevin this is the third home we've built every time we're like we could put the window seats in later just it's now or never like it's not happening yeah, just do it that's after funny. the fact so again I think it's really interesting. In contrast, kitchens painted fire hydrant red or sunshine yellow, the Pantone Hmm. color of the year, were rejected by most respondents as gross or really ugly. (laughs) Interesting. Mint green kitchens, a recent design trend, also were not well received. Buyers indicated that they would pay basically $1,800 less on average for a home with a mint green kitchen. Hmm. So the, the kitchen doesn't have to have already been painted mint green. If you're showing imagery of a similar kitchen that's mint green, the harm is already done. The, the perception of mm-hmm, is beginning. Yeah. That's, um, I didn't even think about that until you, yeah. And I bring it up. There's definitely some, um, I, I explore builders websites. Obviously I think we all do that. And I'm like, Oh, who picked, who picked that and that one? I'm like, I don't know. That's like maybe not, not, uh, not well liked. And then sure enough, it's like whoever's staging the homes. Hope this doesn't offend anybody, but like they probably shouldn't be staging anymore. When I used to visit um, home buyers in their homes to do testimonials, it almost seemed like a majority of people, what they do is they, that model home, they, the house is designed they in their head. It. Absolutely. They absolutely duplicate, yeah. you know, the, See, the, everything the always ends up full circle. We talked about mirroring the child. Yeah, the exactly. Swimming lessons and so your house is a mirror. So if you don't have a good, if you don't have good photos, you know, they're, I, I still go back to home photos in my neighborhood. And I look at how other people have decorated and I usually judge them poorly, but I, I'm usually, (laughs) I'm looking for inspiration. And if I can't find it, then you're kind of having to wing it. And I think seeing that curated, those curated photos gives you trust in your own decisions too. So you're right. It's the face mirroring with that. And, but you know, you like the model. So you're like, exactly my house looks like that because I, I love that at at first we even like that. We did the same thing. We're like, Mm -hmm. Hey, uh, KB, where did you guys get that furniture? Because we really well, like I've had people purchase there. model like, home furniture. Because, oh, yeah. Like, model home furniture sales was a big form of tra- walk-in traffic yeah. back in 2009. Trust me. There you go. So, Do it again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, well, it just goes back. I, I remember someone tried to make a big deal out of partnering with Modsy, the Modsy. online oh, yeah. design, interior design uh, app company service. And it was like, we've, we've partnered with Modsy, it's this innovative, and it was basically just adding virtual furniture to Matterports. But it's like, again, builders could do that on their own. And, and I've, I've, I know I come back to this all the time. The list, to your point, Andrew, why did you have to ask where the furniture came from? Why is that not something that could, that, that is a reasonable value trade of give me your contact information and I will send you every selection in the model the manufacturer, yeah. where the furniture was purchased, mm-hmm. all, all of that detail. And also, why can't we start getting some of that on the website? Also, to end on a Kevin complaining note, I keep saying this over and over because people are like, what's next on the website, Frank Kevin? What should we do? Why can't we zoom in on, a, on any photo gallery image 
more than like well cameras these days can't do that like their pictures are too it, do you think it just bo- people find it oh, I, I know all the technical yeah. excuses jackie but okay. again you go on amazon and i can zoom in and see the intricate detail of the zipper connection to the fabric why can't i you know so yes we should have a lot of pictures in our photo galleries but also if we had you know 25 pictures that you could zoom into an incredible detail level on would we need to load up 80 pictures in the photo gallery at the same time? I think, I think the quantity of photos ideally should be more about variety of colors, styles, and finishes, and not yeah. about simply documenting the same thing from three slightly different perspectives. Yeah. Um, I just pulled up one of my favorite builders' websites, and the gallery images, when you expand them, I'm on a 32-inch monitor. It's 800 by 600 pixels. Yeah, not okay. Which is like, that's not, that's not exciting. And it's in the gallery section. So I could like, let's get Dennis on the line. <laughs> so, so if they made a, a partnership with Modsy and did all these virtual staging images with, with furniture that you can purchase from the company and it came out as 800 by 600, it doesn't work. And this goes back to yeah. why someone thinking is a, thinking something is a great idea, but doesn't understand technology, doesn't understand that we live in the year 2021 and is trying to dictate how everyone else in the department needs to do things. Mm-hmm. The whole lot of friction, a whole lot of friction. I, yeah. I just want to throw in a story. I hope he doesn't hear this. I <laughs> had this situation. It's right where, at the end. Just, it's right at the end. I made it this far. I liked the bonus story, story, but I also didn't tell the second half of the story. As That's a funny. gift to someone at my company, we did 3D models of a lot of our favorite home. Oh, yeah. And they were great. They looked great. You put them around your house, you show off. You're like, I'm proud of these little tiny dollhouses. But it was just like a fun, quirky thing that we were like, here's a gift to you. Big birthday. Congratulations. Well, that person comes around next on Monday morning after they got the gift. And they're like, I think we need to do this for all the homes. We need to have all the mini homes and the model homes tomorrow. What can you do? Here's the budget. I'm like, one, terrible idea. Two, that is not my budget. And I'm not putting it. It's a, uh, let's be fair. It's a fun idea. it's not. Yes, correct. We like okay. fun ideas. Yeah. I, I, and I think that's too. Sometimes you said um, your boss would come in, Kevin, and be like, "Here's some crazy ideas," and you had to execute them. That was one I put my foot down. I was like, "They're already at the bottom of the funnel when they are coming in your model home. They are, they are ready." And like a three-inch model of your house is not going to do that. And I think with that money, I was like, "Well, let me go talk to this rendering company, and I'm just going to get way more. I'm going to do these 3D exterior renderings of our houses." in the million dollar range done. And that's going to solve the problem because more people are going to see that than the the three people who might glance at the house or pick it up and go cute and put it down mm-hmm. and be like, can we actually talk about the real thing? So anyway, rant over sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to um, the question of the week, which is your advertising spend, is it now back to what amount in comparison to July of 2019's level? Guestimates are allowed. So is it, you know, 25 to 50% less than July of 2019, 10 to 15% less than July of 2019? Is it about the same or are you spending more? And so far it's, it's early. Uh, we just posted it when we started recording. Uh, most of the comments and votes are about it being significantly less, but the comments which are insightful and consistent with what we hear talking with builders is that overall ad spend is down, digital is up. Or, or even now, or plan to be about even or or slightly up. So there's a lot of you know Courtney Smith Gonzalez says buy weekend directionals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, Lori Tarver says spending less, especially on directionals, sign spinners, parties, events, etc. Oh, the site spinners so they're so much fun. It, it makes complete sense. Uh, another one of the those who work with in Texas said the same thing. Like, oh, we're we're way down in spend overall because we just realized again to my story about the twenty two thousand dollars on search. Mm-hmm. Like they just realized we don't need any of that other stuff. Did, I think but, but digital yeah. is, is still yeah. about flat. I think we used to, and I, I know some people have done this and I'm like, what a great solution. They'll just turn off the weekend directional signage and not tell anyone. And that's a great way for people. You know, if, you, if you're tracking people who are coming in, they're still going to say, oh, the directional signs. Oh, <sighs> I know. But I mean, this is the same thing. Third verse now of old person who doesn't understand what's going on says, mm-hmm. we need those weekend directionals back. Like, no. Uh, but yes, you're right. If you need to prove that you don't need them back, just don't tell anyone. and Don't like, put them out. You get them back when you're having a garage sale. 
Well, and I think that comes up with the concern of, let's see if I can find this comment. Yeah, Mark posted like, hey, be ready for everyone saying, let's bring back billboards now that we need traffic again. Yeah, because it did concern me because (laughs) I've heard two builders go, what do you think about postcards? And I'm like, please, we're, we're going back to the old way of talking to people. We're not going back 30 years of how to market, please. Like, stay stay in the now. I agree with you, Jackie. But if we could mail three-inch versions of the models, then... You're right. <laughs> I know. It, and it'd have to be like a little flat rate box. It'd be just like nice Oh, my surprise. God. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Let's, let's get oh, the man. heck out of here. For published articles, blog posts, videos, and more, check out doyouconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and everywhere else we are online. Also, I don't know where all of you are coming from that are trying to sign up for the wait list for this year's online sales and marketing (laughs) summit. You don't need to do that anymore. I I don't know if it's just the last minute rush of people realizing that it's there and, and they missed all of the ads and everything else, but it is. It's happening. It's happening and there's not, not, at this point, there's not going to be any openings. It doesn't look like for people to join the wait list. So go ahead and still sign up on the wait list. We probably just need to change the messaging, like sign up for 2022. Because it's- We have wait list for the wait list right now. Yeah. 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 So looking forward to see you all there in uh, in Dallas, Texas very, very soon. Have a great week, everybody. See y'all. Bye.